Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Highlights seem so far away, don't they? Richard Neal with you on the fan until 9.30 this morning. Got our regular time back, plus an hour starting at 5 o'clock. We'll be doing that next weekend as well. 877-337-6666. And I will need all the help I can get this morning, I'll tell you. It has been a bizarre week, starting with uh, a Great Super Bowl for about 10 minutes of elapsed time. The first three and a half quarters, uh, not so much. But uh, as as the game went on to the end and overtime and the decision that the coach made and should Shanahan be fired? Well, no, he fires his defensive coordinator instead. (laughs) And here you have a team, third best defense in football, and they fire their defensive coordinator. And Shanahan regretfully says, well, we just were never on the same page. So what do we make of that? Do we make of that that uh, even though the strategies and all the plans of mice and men went asunder, that somehow this team managed to get to the Super Bowl and almost win it, or were they just not on the same page all year and it just didn't work? <laughs> Good luck. And and Wilkes, this poor guy, I mean, he was the interim coach of the Carolina Panthers. That should be enough punishment to, uh, that should be the purgatory, so he'll go straight to heaven when he passes. Then he comes to uh, San Francisco and he's got a big defensive role to fill. Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryan's. So he gets the job, and after a year, puts up good numbers, and they fire him because <laughs> they don't win the Super Bowl. And you wonder, had they won the Super Bowl, had Kansas City somehow not scored in the overtime, what would have happened? Would they say, well, uh, defense wasn't as good as it could have been. You're out anyway. I wonder. Ah, oh, boy. So... Now, Wilkes will find another job somewhere, somehow, and I'm sure he's made enough money in his career that we're not going to be having charity dinners for him at any time in the near future. But it is, uh, you coach, you're coaching the NFL, you're coaching any major sport, even college. Your, Your lifespan is extremely limited. There are only a few Nick Sabins and guys that just stay forever. Even the great Bill Belichick at the end of this season is let go and can't find a job. And, you know, the interesting thing is the, the Arthur Blank stuff that's been coming out over the past week where Blank says, look, um, 
you know, I, uh, I didn't offer him the job. He didn't demand full control. All of that is bogus. It's not true. And Blank is a kind of guy that I, I, I kind of trust. I, I interviewed him once. Always admired uh, Home Depot and the way they do business over the years. So I, I kind of trust him to tell the truth in this situation. Because why wouldn't he in this case? They just made another choice. Decided to go in another direction, as the cop-out is. But uh, in Belichick's case, you know, his reputation, and, and now you're getting the Brady stuff with that documentary where Brady said, I wasn't going to sign on for another couple of years of Belichick. I'm sorry, I just couldn't take it anymore. And when you have the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport saying that, I think others take heed and go, well, you know, in the four years since he left, they haven't won, and he can't work with him? Is this man's personality so difficult that it just doesn't work anymore, anywhere? And that's kind of a shame that Belichick, for all his supposed genius, <clears throat> and again, we're talking football, we're not talking uh, nuclear science or quantum physics or anything like that. All of that, all that good stuff that he brings to the table, it just doesn't work. Just doesn't work for him. Now, will he ever get another job? Will he be a consultant somewhere? Will he go peacefully into that good night? Who knows? How much does that Shula record matter to him? Is he content to be second best? We shall see. And uh, other bizarre things, of course, in Kansas City. And, you know, this, this whole thing, and it, it looks like from the information we've gotten so far, and because juveniles were involved, we're, we're getting sparse details and no names and all of that stuff. But apparently it was some kind of personal battle. And a lot of these people that were shot and one that was killed we're just caught in the crossfire. And for all the negative stuff you've heard about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, and again, Kelsey is one of these people that, I guess unless you know him personally, it's hard to get a beat on him because he's a very charming guy. He seems to be a very smart guy. But... On the other side of it, he seems to be a lout. <laughs> he, he shows up at the, the celebration drunk. His brother, you know, shirtless and drunk at the playoff game. You're going, come on. You know, I, I, I get it. You're, you're happy. You're celebrating. But this is the middle of the day. You're making a public appearance. You're going to speak. You think you could maybe hold off your celebration in terms of the intoxicants until later on? I mean, come on. But to his credit, he gives $100,000 to the family of some of the people who were wounded. And apparently Taylor Swift, and this is something I read yesterday and it, it not confirmed, but it, you know, I saw it on the Internet, so it must be true, right? that she gave $100,000 to the family of the woman who was killed, who was a DJ, by the way. So 
all right, these people have more money than God, so $100,000 is a drop in the bucket, but still they didn't have to do that. The fact that they did is, is you know, very, very laudable. And something that, and apparently she didn't announce it. She didn't go on and uh, make a big deal out of, oh, I'm giving money. No, it was a, a quiet, um, quiet donation to a GoFundMe site. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot to admire there. And although I don't love her music or relate to the whole craziness about Taylor Swift, she seems to be a pretty good egg from what we hear, <laughs> reputationally anyway. Okay, to things that matter in New York. Baseball, we have started, and the Yankees are hell-bent to win a championship, according to Aaron Boone, their manager. Hell-bent. Okay, you don't hear that expression very much anymore. They, uh, you heard Aaron Boone, oh, Mr. Cortez, good shape. And you look at this rotation, and you've got a returning Cy Young winner, Garrett Cole, who uh, the good thing is he says, look, I, I got some things I'm going to work on and get better. All right, now, you got to be careful with that because when you've had success doing it one way, and then you start tinkering, you know, it's like the golfer who tinkers with his swing. You know, hey, I'm doing really well, but I think I can do better. You can screw yourself up. And trust me, when it comes to golf, I I know where within I speak here. So you hope that, yeah, maybe tinker, make a couple of improvements, but don't mess. You won the Cy Young guy. Well, you can always get better. Okay, that's the attitude you want. But then you've got Rodon, who was hurt last year and, and did not pitch well when he wasn't hurt and seemed to have a bit of an attitude problem. You've got Nestor Cortez, who had a great year a couple of years ago. Last year, injury marred and not great by any stretch. And has had, frankly, a pretty mediocre career except for that one year. Did he all of a sudden find it? Was it an anomaly? Uh, Is health the big issue? So we don't know what you have in Cortez. You've got Stroman who, all right, he, he, he is assimilated into the Borg of the Yankees. He's a guy that is going to have to be a teammate, be a, a guy who will sacrifice for the team, maybe every once in a while keep his mouth shut when he wants to say something controversial. Leave it at that. But overall, he's been a pretty darn good pitcher. Had a good first half, uh, a good, a bad first half, good second half. So he could be a, a a good addition. And Clark Schmidt, who looked pretty good. So you've got a rotation that, after number one, you're not sure what you got. But if these guys pitch up to what they've done in their better years, it's a pretty solid rotation. Now, I don't know that the bullpen is as strong as it was last year. You've got Holmes, Luizaga, and Canely, who I think you can count on. The rest of the guys, come see, come sa. Not sure. So the pitching staff is probably as good as last year, maybe a little bit better. And the pitching was pretty good last year. 
It was the offense that was the problem, and you've added Soto to that. Now, there are a lot of warning flags, and Joel Sherman wrote about this uh, yesterday, that DJ LeMahieu at 35 is not the player that he once was, and even though he did have a better second half, you can't really count on him being better next year, this year, coming up, a leadoff hitter. And is that where he slots in? So you've got a, a pretty killer lineup for the first four. Uh, you know, Flamehu is, is decent. And then you probably have Soto, then Judge, then Rizzo maybe, or see how they, they stack that up. And is Rizzo going to be, you know, the home run machine he was a couple of years ago? Or is he the guy who was concussed last year and just kind of fell off the, the table? So you've got that, and you've got Glaber Torres, who's playing for a contract. And you've got Volpe, a young shortstop. So the Yankee offense might be okay. Might be okay. And Verdugo, we'll see how that shakes out. Lefty, Yankee Stadium, good but a guy who's got some problems and has, you know, he criticized Alex Cora on the way out. Um, he had some issues in terms of his hustle, his work ethic. Now, back in the Jeterian days with Derek, uh, yeah, you didn't have too many people with work ethic problems with this team because Jeter wouldn't allow that. His judge capable of exerting similar authority and getting these guys together. We'll see how that shakes out, too. So on paper, Yankees are better than the 82 wins they had last year. Are they better than the Orioles now, especially since the Orioles have added a top-flight pitcher to the staff? Hmm. A lot of ground to make up. But it happens. Basically, you're 19 games behind the Orioles. They won 101, you won 82. But... It doesn't mean that you can't make up some ground that the Orioles may be basking in their success a little bit, rec- uh, regress a little bit, and the Yankees advance. And you know what it's coming down to, and it's true in all sports, and this is something I'm not happy about, that the regular season isn't the important thing. It's the playoffs. And if you get to the playoffs, as Arizona and Texas proved last year, you can win a championship, you can win a a, a division, a conference, a league, without being the best team. You know, you just have to win a five-game series or a seven-game series. So the whole regular season is just basically get to the playoffs. That's what it comes down to. And the Yankees should be a playoff team. Of course, they said this last year, and they weren't. But I think they've improved enough to definitely be a playoff team. Then you look at the Mets, and they just signed Himan Choi. And this is a typical David Stearns move. And, and I'm, you know, you got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt because he did well in Milwaukee with a small budget, and, and he fielded winners and playoff teams year after year after year. He had a really good manager in council who got record money in Chicago, but was it a magic formula that I'm perplexed because you look at what he's done in the off season 
And he's basically signed a bunch of human choice. He's basically signed a bunch of guys who had a good year once upon a time, have had injuries, and you don't know what they're going to be going forward. I mean, you look at, all right, what's, what's Severino going to be? Well, I've been working all year on tipping pitches and working on avoiding that and getting stronger and specific exercises so that I don't pull my lats and quads and everything else that he's, problems that he's had. So is he healthy now? <laughs> you know, is, is he going to be the guy that well, throws 97 miles an hour and blew people away once upon a time with the Yankees? Or is he a broke-down piece of man? We don't know. Manea. Well, he's developed a, uh, a sweeper. And all of a sudden, now this guy, boy, last month of the season, man, he was good. Well, continue to do that. Hauser. Uh, he's an innings eater. Yeah. How many innings is he going to eat? And how many runs are going to be scored during those innings? McGill. Well, McGill's working on a splitter now, and it really looks good. Oh, okay. Budo, Lucchese. Yeah, they showed some promise in the last couple of months with the Mets. Promise? How good are they? And then you've got Peterson, the perennial disappointment who probably will not pitch until June, but you know, has had great promise, promise, promise. And then you look at the bullpen, and Diaz is coming back. And, you know, I, I know we all expect the Diaz that you had two years ago where he was just lights out. But that was one year, and he's got great stuff, and he's very determined and missing a year and all that kind of stuff. Will he be as good as he was a couple of years ago? We'll see. And you've got Rayleigh, a lefty, Adovino, Diekman. But after that, you got Smith and Hartwig and Reed Foley, guys like that. That well, you, Do you really trust them in a big spot? So you've got a lot of question marks in the Mets. Bullpen, starting pitching, basically everywhere. You know, you're designated hitter. You, you had a chance to get the J.D. Martinez or somebody who's got an established record as a D.H., who can hit 30 home runs, knock in 100 runs maybe. Well, we're going to see what the kids can do, see what Vientos can do. Okay, see if Stewart, when he had that hot streak, if that's something he can sustain. You know, a lot of ifs, ands, and buts there. So the Mets could be anywhere from, they won 75 games last year, they could be there again. Could even be worse, possible. Or... They could be a playoff team. And it seems to me that the approach that he has used, Stearns has used, is throwing a lot of stuff against the wall and hoping some of it sticks. And when you've got Steve Cohn's money behind you, not that he's signed a big contract with anybody, but, you know, you throw a lot of stuff against the wall and some of it, you know, he's going to be right and he knows a lot of these guys played with him in Milwaukee <clears throat> or he's had experience with them in other places. So we'll see. That's all you can do with the Mets. The Mets are like, I, I've, what are your expectations for the Mets this year?
Where are they going to finish? Are they going to be a 500 team? I think the um, computers have, have given them 83 wins. May or may not be enough to make the playoffs. And the funny thing about that is, you know, with all these analytics and all these stats and all these computer stuff that they come up with, you know, they say, well, you know, 83 wins. And if they add this guy, he can account for two wins. And those two wins would put you to 85, and you could be a playoff team at 85. I mean, that's that's how fine the computer projections have gotten. And what do they mean? Like war, absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's just a computer's best guess. And sometimes the computers guess well, and sometimes they don't. Okay, we're going to open up the phones. Hopefully I can get phone calls. We're having technical issues again. What else is new? At 877-337-6666. Give me a call. Let's talk some sports.